left one. <laughs> I was talking to a very good friend of mine a few days before Lent came, and she said to me, wow, it's going to be Lent. I'm so excited. A time for introspection, a time to just be quiet. And I'm thinking, okay, easy for you to say. You're an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Harder for me to do that. Um, but no less important for me to do that. But it's just interesting how some people look at Lent and just, oh, so great. Where the others of us look at Lent and say, oh my. So, um, but needless, anyway, we are going into Lent, whichever way we look at it. And I want to talk to you a little bit um, as we start about the fact that our worship and what we are doing now represent Lent, this change in the worship, so that we begin with this penitential order, reading the commandment and hearing again what Moses gave the people, the, the rules that they were to live by, and focusing on those. In fact, I read somewhere this week that if we took each one and thought about it individually, how much it could impact our lives. But so we're using this penitential order. We're doing the confession at the beginning and bringing everybody into that kind of reflection and quiet time. Now, there's also other things going on. If you notice, we have no flowers on the altar. But um, who did the sticks? Was that okay? That is really great, Joanne. I mean, it's such a wilderness type of look. And um, so we don't have the regular um, colors that we do. Our colors are changed. There's a whole lot that we do, including everybody's favorite. We give up the hallelujahs. Um, and we do it all to set this mood of what is happening in Lent. We're going to use prayer A instead of prayer B. And I want you, when you hear prayer A, to really listen, I'm going to give you the line, prayer A is more penitential than prayer B, which is more incarnational. But prayer A says, In holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourselves. And when we have fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent Jesus Christ. So, we move into Lent today. We move into Lent, and Lent is a time that draws us inward rather than outward. It lets us reflect on who we are. And it's also a time that we really come to celebrate and recognize our identity, who we are as the people of God. And it's incredibly important that we do that. Now, all three of the readings today involved water. Noah was saved through what? Water. Peter reminds us of Noah, but he says, and baptism, that water is washing you clean. And then we get Jesus coming and being baptized. Ironically, we're back in the very first chapter of Mark, where we started a few weeks ago. But we see Jesus being baptized and then coming out of the water. 
And Mark tells us the heavens are ripped open. Now that's exactly, so often it's difficult to translate the Greek accurately, but that is exactly what the Greek says. The word is like follow, and it means just torn apart. It's not just like a voice comes from heaven. These heavens are torn apart. And the voice comes and says, this is my son, the beloved, and I am well pleased. And as we hear that today, we can't forget last week when once again, what happened? The voice from heaven in the transfiguration saying, not just this is my son, but listen to him. There's a whole picture of what's going on. And so we move into that whole thing about identity. When you and I are baptized, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as what? Christ's own forever, right? It's a one and done type of experience, even though some churches tell you you need to be rebaptized. Now, when you're baptized, you are marked as Christ's own forever. Now, um, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems. And that, well, the Gospel of Mark tells us that after Jesus' baptism, where does he go? Into the wilderness. Now, Mark doesn't tell us a lot about the wilderness. He doesn't tell us why Jesus is there. Matthew and Luke tell us that he was tempted by the devil and these things happened, but not Mark. Mark just says, he went into the wilderness. We don't know why he was there. I think we can ascertain some things from the other Gospels, but I think, and I didn't read this by a theologian, so you can take, take what you get from this. I think he went into the wilderness because he is identified with humankind in every aspect of life. And the reality is, there are going to be times when you and I are in the wilderness. And so knowing Jesus was in the wilderness, that he can understand that. He can meet us there. And so that is one of the reasons, I think, it's so powerful when we find him going into the wilderness. So on Ash Wednesday, we didn't literally enter the wilderness, but we entered a spiritual journey, a different kind of um, time, as we talked about just a moment ago. And I don't know, do any of you remember Frank Gray, who was here for a number of years, and he was at Emmanuel Church. He's a very good friend of ours. And then, and still is, uh, he became the bishop in Indiana. And Frank changed forever how I understood Ash Wednesday. And it was very powerful for me when I would do the services because Frank told me every year on Ash Wednesday, when I mark people with that sign of the cross on their forehead, I know someone will not be here next year. Mm -hmm. Someone will have died. Someone will have gone on. 
And it's a powerful reminder of the fragility of life and the fact that we're not immortal. We are fragile human beings living in the world. So even though we are fragile, and sometimes scared, and sometimes happy, and sometimes depressed, and whatever attitude you want to put in, even though we are fragile, our identity is not fragile. Our identity has marked us as who we are. And at the time of our baptism, it's like God rips open that heaven again and says, this is my beloved son, adult son, daughter. This, each one of us, is marked like that, welcomed into the household of God and recognized as important in the kingdom. The same love was bestowed on us. It marks who we are. In fact, our baptism really becomes a part of our DNA as Christians because of the word identity and what happens in that, that we become identified with God. Now, Jesus went into the wilderness right after that baptism. And there are going to be times when we go into the wilderness. In fact, for me, this whole last year has been a wilderness. I mean, COVID has kept us from friends. It's kept us from doing the things we wanted to do. I don't know if Good Shepherd was closed last Easter, but a lot of churches were. Um, it has changed our lives, corporately and individually. I can't, I'm not free to go up and hug each one of you like I want to. Um, it's made people withdraw. It has been a time when we have really had to stay connected some way because we have been literally and figuratively distanced, both by masks and by six feet. I mean, everywhere you go, I was in Wawa buying a gift certificate for my grandson yesterday, and the markings on the floor, six feet away, people, you know, it's like, wow, can't even be in line behind anybody. The wilderness, in fact, can be overwhelming, but it isn't a permanent place. We go into the wilderness, but we don't remain there forever. And your wilderness and my wilderness might be quite different. Sometimes they're the same. Could be a death. Could be a divorce. It could be a loss of a child. It could be a child going astray. It could be any one of the tragedies in your life that drive you into the wilderness where you are there and you're saying, where is God? I mean, a lot of people have said that just in COVID. Where is God in this? But in the wilderness, you're seeking, you're looking. The wilderness is challenging. It's often confusing. But the wilderness also provides you the opportunity for growth. It's when you begin to look at life in a different way. When you begin to see that Jesus is there in the wilderness with you, 
saying anything. You may just be sitting with it. Just the presence, when you begin to realize that you are in the presence of God. The wilderness can be a time of great pain, but it can also be a time of great joy as you move into healing and wholeness in the presence of the Lord. Because the wilderness is where we find Jesus. He went into the wilderness. He identifies with us, and he comes to us at this time. He brings a peace. And most of all, if you're in the wilderness by yourself, he brings the sense that you are not alone. You may think you are, but you're not. He is there. That presence is with you. <clears throat> well, journey through the wilderness. And Lent kind of reminds us of it. Forty days of less enthusiastic worship, maybe. No flowers. Um, of course, we don't do any singing in here, but the songs would change. No hallelujahs. Forty days of Lent. Forty was a very important number to the Jewish people. It took 40 days for Moses to get the law and bring it down. It was 40 days that um, Noah was in that boat. And it was 40 years that the Jewish nation was in the wilderness. Literally and figuratively in the wilderness. And so we come to our 40 days. And in every one of those 40 day or year periods, God was with the people. He was, they were in the wilderness, but he provided food. He spoke to them. He cared for them. Our identity marked on us at baptism tells us who we are. We are the people, the children of God. The beloved. The beloved. It is so hard when we look at ourselves and see all the things that we think we don't do right or we could have done better or we really messed up in a big time. That at our baptism, God also ripped open the heavens and said, this is my beloved child. My beloved child. The incarnation at Christmas reminds us that Jesus came to be human, to be one of us. And that we then become brothers and sisters of Christ, moving into the family of God. So this Lent, take time to remember your identity to realize who you are, to reflect on the scriptures or whatever you um, choose, whatever your Latin, if you have a Latin discipline, whatever it is. And remember, every morning, that you are the beloved and you are not alone. I found this prayer by St. Emperor. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I had no clue who St. Emperor was. Does anybody know? Okay, good. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> he actually was from Syria. And I think he was only, I think he was a deacon. I don't think he ever became a bishop or any of the things that we often think of saints. 
And he is known, he wrote extensively, uh, both like hymns and um, just general writings and poetry. And he is considered to be the patron saint of, um, what is it? Spiritual directors. A spiritual directors, which is um, an interesting, I didn't even know spiritual directors had a patron saint, but if anybody needs one, it's the spiritual directors of this world. But anyway, listen to this, um, this poem, this prayer, which is also kind of a poem, that he wrote. O Lord and Master of my life, Take me away from the spirit of laziness, faint-heartedness, desire for power, and idle talk. But give your servant the spirit of chastity, humility, patience, and love. Yes, Lord and King, grant me to see my own errors and not to unjustly or hastily judge my brother. For you are blessed, now and forever. Amen.